Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is Wednesday, January 20th. It's inauguration day for Joe Biden, it looks like, bar a lightning strike coming from heaven or the fire of God being poured out on Washington, D.C. Besides that, Joe Biden, in just a little bit of time, will be announced the next president of the United States of America. I do believe he's going to inherit a whirlwind. There's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. It was coming upon our nation anyway. Now, I want to share something with you right out the gate today. Don't get upset with me, but it's in Matthew 24 again. And I want to just read a few verses in verse 4 and all the way through verse 9, okay? And it says this, Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. I wonder... If you and I can wrap our mind around the reality in our generation, the generation since Israel became a nation in 1948, counting down 70 to 80 years, according to Bible prophecy, a generation is 70, and if by power, 80 years. So within the context of a generation from the day that Israel was ratified, became a nation again after 1,900 years of being scattered, 
we're all back together, all there again, okay? The full-blown nation, the fig tree has put forth her leaves and her branches, et cetera, et cetera, and is very fruitful. So is it possible that we in our generation have witnessed wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, famines, earthquakes, commotions, troubles, and an exponential rise of them beginning in 9-11-2001. I think every one of us could look at the amount of hurricanes and natural disasters and volcanoes and tornadoes and earthquakes and skirmishes and rioting. And I mean, you talk about nation against nation, turmoil, trouble, commotion, et cetera, et cetera. I believe that we have already experienced on a global scale, not just in America, but in a global way, we have already witnessed what is known in Bible prophecy to be the beginning of sorrows. The part that should be a little bit disturbing right now or should be of interest to all true believers is what follows in verse 9. Jesus said, then, okay, so we're going to move out of the general, the, uh, you know, what's happening globally, and then we're going to transition to a very pointed, particular, specific word from the Lord, and it has to do with Christians or disciples of Jesus Christ, because he's talking to them, and he says, then, well, all these beginning of sorrows are taking place, shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So the only people that are going to be hated for his name's sake are those who bear his name. So he's obviously talking to the Christian community. And what is he saying? Well, when you see all these troubles, these beginnings of sorrows, understand that there's going to be something following. Well, what is going to follow? They're going to kill you. You're going to be afflicted. You're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. All right, so the climate within Christianity is going to shift, and it's going to become a very bitter, cold day in the general sense of disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. The Christian church is going to be persecuted. Now, in the book of Isaiah, we know in verse uh, 10 of 46, Isaiah 46, 10, we read this. And it just I'm just going to pick it up in that one verse, declaring, this is what God does, declaring the end from the beginning. Ah, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do as, uh, all my pleasure. So what does God do? God, he declares the end from the beginning. So at the very beginning of the church age, for example, 2,000 years ago, God spoke through his son, and he said that the end would be like the days of Noah in the beginning. So you go back to the beginning, and Jesus said that exact phrase. So the days of Noah. What were the days of Noah? The earth was filled with violence. Men's imaginations were vain. There was wickedness in the heart. There was depravity. And there was no repentance. It was a hard-hearted time. And Jesus said in the days of his coming, so there's more than just one day, uh, but at that time, in that season, the world is going to be like it was in the days of Noah. We also know that Bible prophecy talks about Israel becoming a nation. We know that technology will explode. We know that people will be traveling in that final generation all over the world. 
This is all Daniel chapter 12 prophecy. So Jesus, the greatest of all prophecies, he is the word of God manifested, right? He is the manifested word of God. And he said that we should be paying attention in these last days to look at the global scale of things. Notice the uptick, the upgrade, the intensification of global events. And they're not done yet by any means, but there's no doubt that we are living at a time where we have seen upscaled. I mean, there's always been hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, but the measure and the level and the intensification and the rapidity of all those events, you cannot deny. They have happened en masse. We see a nation divided just as overnight, if you will. And so what is Jesus warning us about? The thing now that we should be thinking about is what he said would come, and it would be persecution. They're going to hate you. They're going to afflict you. They're going to kill you. You're going to be offended. Many of the saints are going to be offended. They're going to hate brothers and sisters, and they're going to betray one another. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk a little bit about persecution at the beginning of the church age, because the end, the end where we are, is revealed from the beginning. It's revealed from the beginning. So you can go back to the beginning. Now, as we go back to the beginning of the church age, we find this story. I want to look at it real quick. And there's a lot of stories out there about this issue. But here's what I want to share just a little bit about. The beginnings of persecution. The story of Christianity's rise to prominence is a remarkable one. But there are things we need to talk about concerning a man by the name of Nero. All right, so let's get into the Nero persecution, okay? Um, Although in the first few centuries AD, Christians were prosecuted and punished, often with death, there were also periods when they were more secure. Secondly, the rise of Christianity to imperial-sponsored dominance in the fourth and fifth centuries, although surprising, was not without precedence, and it spread hardly an inexorable and contemporary Christians portrayed it. Uh, this is just the opening of a little document here. So Christians were first, listen, and horribly targeted for persecution as a group by the Emperor Nero in 64 AD. They were targeted. A colossal fire broke out at Rome. And destroyed much of the city. Rumors abounded that Nero himself was responsible. He certainly took advantage of the resulting devastation of the city, building a lavish private palace on part of the site of the fire. Perhaps to divert attention from the rumors, Nero ordered that Christians should be rounded up and killed. Some were torn apart by dogs, others burned alive as human torches. And over the next hundred years or so, Christians were sporadically persecuted. It was not until the mid-third century that emperors initiated intensive persecutions. And this goes all the way uh, to some of the others that were uh, out there. And we'll talk about that maybe in just a little bit. The reasons, listen to some of the reasons for the persecution. So why were Christians persecuted? Much seems to have depended on local governors and how zealously or not they pursued and prosecuted Christians. The reasons why individual Christians were persecuted in this period were varied. In some cases, they were perhaps scapegoats, 
their faith attacked where more personal or local hostilities were at issue. Contemporary pagan and Christian sources preserve other accusations leveled against the Christians. These included charges of incest and cannibalism, probably resulting from garbled accounts of the rites which Christians celebrated in necessary secrecy, being the agape, the love feast, and the Eucharist, partaking of the body and blood of Christ. So here you can see that a beautiful uh, institution instituted by Jesus Christ himself, taking the Lord's Supper, known as a love feast, that they perverted it, they lied about it, they twisted it to meaning something that it really was not. And then going on, pagans were probably most suspicious of the Christian refusal to sacrifice to the Roman gods. This was an insult to the gods and potentially endangered the empire, which they designed to protect, or they deigned to protect. Furthermore, the Christian refusal to offer sacrifices to the emperor, a semi-divine monarch, had the whiff of both sacrilege and treason about it. Thus, the classic test of a Christian's faith was to force him or her, on pain of death, to swear by the emperor and other incense to his images or to sacrifice to the gods. In the mid-2nd century account of the martyrdom of Polycarp, officials begged Polycarp to say, Caesar is Lord, and to offer incense to save his life. He refused, thank God. Later in the arena, he was asked by the governor to swear an oath by the luck of Caesar. He refused. And although he was apparently eager to meet his death, beast fighting had been declared closed for the day, and so he was burned alive instead. General persecutions tended to be sparked by particular events, such as the fire at Rome under Nero, or during periods of particular crises, such as the third century. During the third century, the turnover of emperors was rapid. Many died violent deaths, as well as this lack of stability at the head of the empire Social relations were in turmoil. Barbarian incursions were on a threatening scale. The economy was suffering and inflation was rampant. Pagans and Christians alike observed this unrest and looked for someone or something, preferably subversive, to blame. So just a little note, and there are some incredible, um, uh, Fox's Book of the Martyrs is another great source of information about the persecution, particularly by Nero against the Christians, where hideous acts um, inflamed the minds of the torturers in the way that the Christians would be tortured. It was never done on a scale like it was, and the imagination, the satanic imagination of Nero uh, was just out of control, but Christians did suffer. So what is this? At the beginning, there's persecution of the church throughout the history of the world, or the church age, there has always been some form of persecution. You know, you can go all the way back to persecution uh, to Christians and Jews in Nazi Germany. You can go back to the Ukrainian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution. You can go back to the Dark Ages, the Inquisitions. There's always been a level. But we're told that in the 19th and 20th century, there have been more martyrs, i.e. Syrian Christians, uh, that were the hundreds of thousands that were murdered. Uh, There's just been an uptick an exponential rise of martyrdom in the 19th, 20th century. Now we're here in this 21st century. And what are we looking at? Something that has been declared by Jesus from the beginning, what will be in the end? 
we have just witnessed years of what we know as the beginning of sorrows. Now, we should not be at this point saying, gee, I wonder when those beginning of sorrows are going to start. They've already been here. Now, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, make your preparations, whether it's fleeing into the mountains, whether it's, you know, coming, you know, going out into the wilderness, whatever it is, all along, there should be preparation. But now, this is a time we've seen enough evidence over the last, I like to call from 2001, so we'll say the last 20 years, 19 and a half years, there's been enough evidence that we are in this season of the beginning of sorrows. Now, Jesus makes it very plain then what was going to happen. Is there a potential right now for large Christian persecution in the United States of America and around the world? Well, when you hear the news media talking about re-education or de-radicalization of people that voted for Donald J. Trump, the alt-right, the extreme right wing, the Christian conservatives, the people that believe in the book of Revelation, yes, the answer is emphatically yes, there will come with a Joe Biden administration and a Kamala Harris administration connected to a Barack Obama administration and all the people that just got away with murder, bar lightning falling out of heaven before 1201 Eastern time. So just over maybe an hour and 50 some odd minutes. So barring the fire falling from heaven and wiping out, uh-oh, did we lose something here? Let's go back and find out what just happened. There we go. So barring this kind of a uh, lightning from heaven strike in Washington, D.C., and uh, Joe being taken out, and they're all taken out, uh, like in Sodom and Gomorrah, for what they stand for, okay, barring that happening, Joe Biden's going to come to power. Will he, or through him, will persecution begin? I think it's a very serious topic of discussion, especially with arrests being made throughout the country right now for the worst day in the history of the United States of America, Wednesday, January 6th, when they, the mob and the domestic terrorists, they raided the Capitol building that, you know, the, the image of those people, those right wing white supremacist nationalists, there they were, these, this Christian alt-right group of people, they, they went into the Capitol building, they stormed it, and, they, and it was the most horrible thing we've ever seen in our lives. So they told us, and the nation gobbled it up. And the nation swallowed the poison. They took the bait. Nine months of fiery images, of brutal, violent protest, of city streets being defiled in our nation. You've heard it how many times now? But the, the hypocrisy, again, have you ever seen anything like it? But here's the problem. It, it's, it, there's a knowledge of the hypocrisy. Some people don't even see the hypocrisy. Got to understand that. There are minds out there that don't understand this at all. They are so blinded by the God of this world. The deception is so great, they cannot conceive that there was any hypocrisy. 
They just need to know that get Donald Trump out of there, get his followers under control, de-radicalize them, get them into uh, re-education camps, tone them down. These people are crazy. These people are nuts. And yet nine months of the most brutal, vicious, death, hate, I mean, it was all there. But somehow, because of the delusion, the deception, a huge portion of the population can't see that. Those that did see it, and they said, wow, that's wrong. Also, even though they knew it, they're losing consciousness and are coming under the spell And they bit into it, and they allowed for the president to release, rather than standing up, like in Fox News and Newsmax and One American News and all the rest of them, saying, heck no, this can't happen. They started weeks ago, already capitulating. And now it's all about the new administration, and let's find out what color ice cream uh, Joe Biden likes and what kind of shoes he's wearing. Get back to Hollywood Fashion Magazine. And what is going to happen is a dark, deep delusion is coming upon the minds of the masses within our nation. If you are still awake, if you do not come under the delusion, what you need to know is that according to Jesus Christ, persecution is on the way. Affliction, killing, and hatred. It may sound dramatic to you, but in due season, you will know that these are not the words of an end-time thriller novel to make people be entertained. It is a very real persecution. It is going to come through the LGBTQ community. It is going to come through a left-wing assault, a progressive, communistic, socialistic, globalist agenda. It is going to hit the nation with a force that people are not prepared for in the majority, and yet we have been waiting for this moment, preparing for this moment for a very long time to keep our center, to keep our focus, to keep our emotional stability, to not be moved by every wind of doctrine and by the winds that are going to blow on this land because they are going to blow. Many people in our nation right now are saying, what an injustice has just been performed in America. I mean, they lied about the election. They cheated. They deceived. It was rigged. It was fraudulent. How could this be? And all of that is just passing away. So a lot of people are going, wow, this is unjust. But you got to know the message right now. Bar, fire coming out of heaven in the next couple of hours, and everything changing, America was told by the Spirit of the Lord and by the Word of the Lord that I will mock when your calamity comes. I'm turning you over to judgment. Do not expect justice when you have been unjust. And what does that mean? Well, injustice is being silent in the face of 90 million abortions. Being unjust is being silent when men are marrying men and women are marrying women. Being, being silent is the injustice. And because the church, for the majority, had been silent, they had not spoken up, they had not spoken out, they were more interested in protecting their 501c3 status, they didn't want to step on anybody's toes, they didn't want to be investigated by the higher powers for doing what was right, they capitulated, they compromised, so a majority of people in the church who also probably thought there was a pre-trib rapture and, you know, once saved, always saved. And this huge general population of Christianity is about to step in to a time of persecution, having never left the earth, having 
their lives on the line right now about which way they're going to go. Unfortunately, there will be a defection from the truth, a falling away from the faith. But you see, this is the divine justice. God says, you were not just. Why would you expect me to be just? And God says, my justice will be served. My justice is not to allow justice to happen to a lukewarm, compromised, hypocritical nation beginning with the church. That may sound a little bit harsh, but that's the reality of Scripture. This is what God says will happen to a nation and to a church that does not respect and honor him. Now, for those of you who have honored the Lord, those of you who have served the Lord, those of you who have paid the price, you've taken up your costs, you understood way up front that you cannot be a, a true disciple without the cross. Those of you who have been dying daily, those of you who have been turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, giving your coat with your shirt, you are more prepared to face this moment than the majority of people that are out there. Those of you who did not allow bitterness to take root and control your mind, those of you who forgave everybody, including yourself, those of you who surrendered your right to be right, those of you who just honored the Lord and worked out your salvation and put off the old man and put on the new man and walked in the spirit and not the flesh. Those of you who allowed your mind to be washed with the water of the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, you are more prepared than the general majority, but even the very best at this moment are going to be tried to their toenails because we have arrived at a moment of destiny today, bar that lightning coming from heaven, that fire from heaven, we will have taken, as I said yesterday, a giant leap into end-time Bible prophecy. And I would expect that the winds of war will blow. Oh, my God, will they blow. I would expect if there is not a consternation. Now, I do believe there will be war. I believe it's the third wave that God revealed would come, and I believe the stage is set. Time will tell. People may do what the left said. The left said in the news media, when Trump gets out of D.C., he's out of the presidency, a lot of those Trump supporters who were riled up will simply settle down, and they'll go away and go on. But it's those who are going to maintain their disgruntlement that we need to re-educate and we need to de-radicalize for the president radicalized them. You know, they're going to say it one day that the Bible has radicalized you if you're a true Christian. You see, a true Christian in the world we live right now is radical. It is a radical reality to follow Jesus Christ in this world. But you see, what the people expect for Christians to do is capitulate tolerate, become lukewarm, accepting what will be, and just come under the delusion. This is a very horrible thing, and I believe that's why Jesus said that in the last days, many would come to him and say, Lord, Lord, here I am. I live my life. And he said, depart from me. I don't know you. And you say, well, what? We prophesied in your name. We did all these things. Yeah, but you capitulated. How did we capitulate? You didn't stand up against the iniquity. You allowed it to go on. You were supposed to be salt. You were supposed to be light. You were supposed to be shouting from the rooftops. But you, or you, you, you kind of took on decoration of the world, 
by being silent. Well, whatever the case may be, the reality is we have taken today a giant leap forward into a time of persecution. I'm not going to say maybe. I'm not going to say potentially. I'm going to say what Jesus said. Jesus said, global disorder, general issues from earthquakes, pestilences, you know, all of it, then they're going to turn on you. Even as Nero turned on the Christians at the beginning of the church age, and, and so did Domitian, and so did others of these Caesars. Even as at the beginning, so shall it be at the end. He declares the end from the beginning. That's why we could trust, like in the days of Noah, what we are supposed to do, what many have been mocked for doing, we should have been preparing our ark. We should have been laboring, we should have been working, and we should have been doing what God said to do. The righteous elect, as I was saying a moment ago, for those of you who did follow the Lord, God has a plan to preserve you. God knows how to direct and lead you. So your life before God right now, all the moments you have spent in the prayer closet, all the moments you have spent in fasting for the purpose of getting the clog out of your being so you could hear God, all the time you spent in worship, all the time you spent in personal intimacy with the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, all of that is about to pay off now because the Holy Spirit's going to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. Now is a time for direction. Will the Holy Spirit tell you, come out of her, my people, exit Babylon? Will the Holy Spirit tell you to enter into your chamber, shut the door until the indignation be overpassed? That's really like an ark, isn't it? Will the Holy Spirit say, hey, don't come down out of your house to get anything. You need to right now, you need to, be start, you need to start heading for where you're going to be. Is it time to go into the wilderness? Is it time to lose sight of the computers, the telephones, the cell phones? Is it time to go off the grid completely right now? Is it time? Well, you have to be the judge of that. All I know is that the persecution is coming. And then I know that Jesus said, and if I continued on in Matthew chapter 24, he said many, and because many, well, let me just pick it up in verse 11, many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. The way that I see that happening right now is that false prophets are going to continue to convince people that have been offended, that hate one another and betray one another, that they're still saved. And I believe that the false prophets are going to be telling people about smooth things, peace and safety, no trouble will come, everything's all right, just step alongside, go along with the program, don't get involved with those radical, right-wing, white supremacists, alt-right, Christian conservatives that carry their guns and their Bibles and believe in the end times in the book of Revelation. They're the crazy people. Come with us, join us. We're okay. We've got mega churches for you. Lots of money. Limelight will get your message out there so the whole world could hear your lukewarm compromised chatter. Now, this is what I believe will be. And I believe the rigidly righteous will be the hunted. I believe that there will be a hunting. Like the movie they put out a couple of years ago about how they hunted Trump supporters. Well, I believe that the hunting is ready to take place. Now, you could either you know, position yourself 
as one that's being hunted, or you could go on the offensive. And what does that mean? We need to talk about that in just a little bit. But Jesus did say, and they will deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That has been the one thing that the Spirit of the Lord has been crying out to Christians for an entire generation, I believe. Hold on to your love. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't allow anything to embitter you. <clears throat> Keep yourself in the love of God. This is important. And we know that the love of many, not the love of few, but the love of many will wax cold. And you know and I know that if, if the love waxes cold, it means there was once love. But when love waxes cold and you begin to hate one another, betray one another because you're offended, understand there is no salvation in that. So we see people that had it and then lost it. So don't tell me that the Bible is a once saved, always saved document that you're in because you said the Jesus prayer at the Baptist altar 45 years ago. No, it is always the condition of the human heart that is being weighed before God, yours and mine. That's just the truth. And right now we're about to be exposed and tested as to who we are and what we've done with our time. That's just a fact. Jesus said, these days are coming. We don't need to be looking for the beginning of sorrows. The woman has already begun her labor pains. What we have witnessed since 9-11, 2001, in my opinion, is the acceleration and the intensification of the labor pains around the world. I believe they began long ago when Israel became a nation, a little bit here, a little bit there, a pang here, a pang there, suddenly an acceleration. <clears throat> and what does this lead to? Persecution of the church. And this is where you and I need to stop our wishful thinking. We need to allow the spirit of the Lord to guide us and direct us and not to be misled by a narrative and a conversation that is not in accordance with the word of God. We've had enough soothe saying. We've had enough narrative that was peace and safety. Trouble will never come. Everything's going to be all right. We've had enough of that, and it has not done well because there was no repentance, brokenness. I don't know about you, and again, I, I'm not some holier-than-thou guy. Honest to God, I'm not. I feel like the least of everybody out there, believe me. But I know one thing. I know that when I was growing up in the house of God, in the house of the Lord, and I had an apostolic pastor over my life who never called himself an apostle, but I, I had a man of God in my life— I knew that the gospel that was preached to me was a gospel that broke me, a gospel that reached into my heart to undo the satanic principalities and the demonic influences in my soul. I was involved in an ecclesia that went to work inside of me and brought me to repentance and confession and reproved me and rebuked me, and at times even had to ask me to exit the church for disciplinary purposes. And that was all good. And what I loved is nobody ever came to me and said, oh, what an injustice. They, they told you to leave the church because they knew that I knew that was the right thing to do. So there's not been an administration of discipline in the church. There has been zero accountability amongst believers. They pick and choose as they go. There's been no real authority over the lives of most Christians in, in our time. They go to what, what feels best. 
But you know what I've noticed over the years? Where is the gospel that provokes repentance? Where is the gospel that, that bypasses all the stuff? I mean, the majority of people we've ministered to in the last 28 years, people that commit adultery, they're watching pornography, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all these crazy things, and, and yet they're not getting delivered. They're not getting set free. They're not repenting. They're acknowledging, but they're not repenting. They may even come to a place of confessing, but they don't repent. There has been no repentance, or if there has been, it's been very minor, but no real repentance. And even if there was repentance going in another direction, not doing what we used to do, there's no cleansing. There's no washing. There's no purging. There's no getting the mind changed. We maintain the status quo of our human nature, and we just think about going to heaven one day. This is an apostasy. We have been in apostasy for a long, long time. And the voice of those that stood up and shouted out were drowned out by the soothsayers, by the peace and safety preachers, and by all these different mechanisms. That's a reality. Well, that's all going to disappear now. All of that is going to go away unless they keep the spell going. The reality is that's all going away, and now people are going to stand how? Naked, unclothed, unprepared, not sure, wandering about. What do I do now? Oh, my God, I was trusting the man. The man didn't do it right. Uh Uh-oh, now what? Where do we go? And they're going to start making up other lies because they got to follow something because they don't want to follow the script, the scriptures. That people don't want to follow the script of confession, repentance, brokenness, falling on the rock, being broken, carrying the cross, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. People don't want that in our cosmetic Christian age that we're living in. We want to be told smooth things, which is Bible prophecy that in the last days they would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears saying, scratch my back, tickle my ears. Tell me what I want to hear, and they've said it for a generation. We don't want to hear this preaching of judgment. We don't want to hear all this negativity, this gloom, this doom. Well, now what are you going to do? When you wake up and realize that was none of that. It wasn't just gloom and doom and, 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 and judgment. It was warning, 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 warning. So here we are, 20th day of January. I don't know if the fire has fallen yet from the sky like Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know. I'm I'm on radio. I have no idea if Joe Biden's on his way to the Capitol building to be sworn in. I don't know. Did the fire fall yet? We don't know. But I'll guarantee you this. The immediate narrative, if in fact the fire does not fall and Joe Biden is elected, the narrative will quickly shift in the Christian realm about, okay, now Trump's going to operate behind the scenes and, and he's going to come back in four years and, and everybody's gonna, we got to create a narrative to keep it going somehow. But the true narrative of God Almighty, cution, affliction, hatred against true disciples of Jesus Christ. You may not be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be a lukewarm, compromised person that goes to church. I don't know who you are, but I know that God's truth 
is prevailing today. God's word is prevailing today. Now, does that mean that all is lost? Heck no. These can be the greatest moments on this earth. When the Apostle Paul, there's a great story. We should read it. We should read it again. Maybe we should. You want to do it? Maybe we should just go to Acts chapter 27 one more time and get a, uh, a parallel to what is going on in our country and what we could see coming to pass. But I want to, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. I'm going to skip right now out of Matthew. Let's go to Acts chapter 27. My brother Michael, many, many years ago in San Diego, preached on this, and it caught fire in my heart. And I've been preaching it ever since, everywhere I have a chance to do it. But he preached it so well. <clears throat> Am I telling you the truth today? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you hearing? Because listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 27. And it's, it's just a little reading, but let's read. It says in verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, remember, Paul is a prisoner on a ship on his way to Rome, okay, for the word of the Lord. And it says, when, we were, when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus's band. And entering into a ship of Adramedium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. All right, so I want to do something right now, if you'll be patient with me. I think it'll be worth your while here. Uh, let me just put of Asia in here. Oops. I want to get some definition because I believe this is an accurate picture. Oops. Oh, all right. So of Asia. All right. So here's our, here's our picture here. Acts 27 verse two. So in entering into a ship of Adramedium, we launched <clears throat> meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus a Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. Acts 27, verse 3. The next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. So Paul is now getting favor from Julius. Verse 4, and when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary there's some contrary winds out there today, right now, and yet things are moving, sailing forward. And verse 5 says, And when we had sailed over the Sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the winds not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmon. Now, there's twice now the winds were mentioned, okay? Remember, after Revelation chapter 6, the beginning of Sorrow's chapter, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9 in the book of Revelation are all about the winds that will blow upon the nations of the earth. So keep that in mind as we read the story. Then it says in verse 8, 
and hardly passing it, we came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lacia. Now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, here's the apostle Paul on a ship getting ready to sail. He admonished them and said to them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Our lives. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So Paul's trying to appeal to Julius. He's saying something bad's going to happen here. You know, you're, 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 we're ready to sail, hoping that the winds will be with you on this journey. Obviously, you don't want them against you the whole time. But Paul's saying, I perceive something, that this journey is going to be met with much hurt and, and damage. And yet, the centurion pays attention to the master and the owner. I believe that God's spirit spoke to America during this generation and said, don't go the way you're going. Don't go into this realm of abortion. Don't go into this realm of the 1960s Woodstock stuff. Again, since 1948, it's a generation, 70 to 80 years. All that has happened since Israel became a nation. Don't go there. Don't go with Alfred Kinsey. Don't go with pornography. Don't go with free sex in Woodstock. Don't go with taking God out of the public schools. Don't go with the... Abortion. Don't go with it. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. It's gonna. You're gonna be met with a, a lot of problems, and yet, it was the masters. It was the Congress, the Senate, the judiciary, the legislators, the White House. It was all the executive branch of government. They, they believed them more than the words of the prophets. Right. So we move forward. <clears throat> Verse twelve. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Fennus, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lies toward the south, west, and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, think about it, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, Loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. All right, so the shipmasters, the owners of the ship have all the prisoners in there. And now the soft south wind is blowing and they're thinking, all right, now's the time to go. Let's go on the journey. Let's get to Italy. Against the perception of the Apostle Paul who warned them. Okay, verse 14, but not long after, America, listen, we are the ship. Okay, America is the ship. And we go, we're all the people in this ship. And we've got the masters and the owners and we got the, the guard and we've got all the people watching over the prisoners. Okay? America is the ship. 
And but not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. Eurachlodon. What does that word Eurachlodon actually mean? I want to look at that. It's a it's a northeasterly. I know that. And the word Euro, okay, the Eurachlodon, literally means a northeast wind, a violent agitation, a violent agitation, okay? A wind causing broad waves, broad waves, or southeast wind raising mighty waves. So the wind is going to blow upon the sea of humanity. The waves are going to get tall. The third wave coming is the wave of war. The waves are going to come. The winds, the four winds of Revelation 7 are going to blow upon the great sea of humanity, political and social agitations, and out of that sea is going to come a beast in Revelation 13. We'll see all that. And then we're getting back to the story. It says in verse 15, and when the ship was caught, when America was caught in the storm, in the tempestuous wind, the violent, agitating wind, okay, when the ship was caught, and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. They're in a storm now, and they can't bear up against the wind. The wind is going to blow in an amazing way. We're going to read it in Revelation 7. It's right there. And then it says in verse 16, in running under a certain island, there's a point to this story, by the way. I want you to hear this. Please hold on. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by, the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they struck sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So this ship and all the people on it are being exceedingly tossed. The winds are blowing, the waves are rising. They are in this incredible moment of time. It's coming, America. We've already seen a little bit of it. But now the four winds are about to blow. That's the next step in the progression of the final prophecy in the book of Revelation. And then it says in verse 19, And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor moon or stars, listen, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. Remember what happens in the last part of Revelation chapter 6? The sun and the moon are darkened, the moon's blood, the sun is dark as sockcloth of hair, so it's here, type and shadow. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us all, hope that we should be saved was then taken away. That is going to become a reality for a lot of people in our generation. We're taking a little story to an end time reality, and a lot of hope is going to be deserted in the days that we're living in. But let's see what God is going to do. Then it says in 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, now listen, this is the apostle Paul, sirs, you should have listened unto me. You should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. What was Paul saying? I told you so. 
I told you so. It's what Paul is saying. You should have listened to me. And you wouldn't have gained all this harm and loss. But I love the Apostle Paul now in verse 22. And now I exhort you, what? To be of good cheer. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come on. Paul's telling them in the midst of this storm, they're losing hope. He stands up and said, I told you so. But then he says, I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. In other words, this ship, it's going to be destroyed. America, your ship is going to sink. But lives will be saved. We're taking a type and shadow. This is a much larger end time reality, but we're looking at the, the type. Paul is telling the people, and I'm going to tell you today, let the Apostle Paul speak to you out of Scripture. Be of good cheer today. Let your heart rejoice. Allow it to. Sing praises unto God. Now, he's telling people that are in a storm that are losing hope to be of good cheer. So there's got to be an adjustment according to their faith. Why does he tell them this? He tells them this and says, In verse 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, here's what the angel of God said to Paul, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. Wow. The heavens were telling Paul that he had to be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. What does it mean? God gave all the people in that ship to Paul. It meant that Paul was about to get jewels in his crown because they were all about to get saved. Watch this. See, this is what the scriptures talk about prospering in the midst of famine or being blessed in the midst of hard times. This is the goodness of God in the midst of a storm. Where was God? In the middle of this storm, he was right there on that ship. God's angel was on that ship. God's apostle was on that ship. God's spirit was on that ship. God was on that ship. God was in the midst of that storm. And you need to know today that God is in the midst of the storm. But the storm that's going to rage, you need to remember. Number one, God's apostles, God's ministers. When you're around God's ministers... There's something supernatural about that. God needed Paul to get to to Caesar. And when there are men and women of God on assignment from the Lord, you're around them, something is going to happen on your behalf. And I'm not making that up. This is what the story says. So you need to make sure that you're around the right man and the right woman right now. You need to make sure that God has brought you to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you need to make sure of that. You need to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Because if you're with the wrong folks that have been telling you this, that, and the other thing, and that this, that, and the other thing has not been realized, okay? They thought that they had achieved their purpose. The soft south wind blew. You know, they thought many, many things. They said many things that were very convincing, Be careful. Now, he goes on to say, 
that this angel stood before him. Uh, where was I? For he stood before me this night, the angel of God, 23, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Uh, you're getting everybody with you. Um, <clears throat> verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. This is the message right now to our hearts. Be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. So God's angel told Paul, Paul told them, he believed it was right regardless. Now, here's how it normally works. Soon as they get this word, and then Paul says in 26, how be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. So he had revelation of what was going to happen. Verse 27, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, sounded, found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under, under color or pretending as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing, a 14-day fast on a ship in the midst of a storm. Good idea. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. In other words, when Paul said, be of good cheer, it got worse. But they're hanging on. And then, in verse 35, And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had taken, broken it, he began to eat. He had communion service on the ship. Hallelujah. And they, then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16. That's 276 souls got saved. They received communion. They accepted Jesus Christ. God was there with them. Wow, that's an amazing reality. You want to be in the right place at the right time in the midst of the storm. Then it says, well, let me stop because I'm just running out of time here. You read the rest of the story. What I'm saying to you today don't deny the storm is coming. I'm telling you, according to God's word, the storm is coming. The Eurachlodon storm. Not the four winds and the contrary winds. The Eurachlodon storm is coming. The tempestuous winds and the waves are going to rise. And the nations of the earth are going into turmoil. And this country, it's going to lose its ship. This whole system, this whole government is coming down. But God's kingdom stands forever. God's kingdom stands forever. You're a part of that kingdom. You build your life on that rock. We'll talk more tomorrow. We'll have more time to talk tomorrow. Sorry, I did not have a chance to interview Brother Daniel yesterday. I was on the road. So we'll talk with you tomorrow. It's going to be an amazing day. Stay tuned. Be of good cheer regardless. And get ready for the winds of persecution, affliction, being hated, and being killed in some cases. I know that's not what we want to hear, but that's what Jesus said. 
So get ready, prepare your heart, the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people, good motives in your heart, and I believe you're going to be just fine. So be of good cheer. This is Pastor Vince. We'll talk to you soon. Shalom, and God bless you.